I know there are those who complain about the landscape of central Illinois, you know, that there isn't one, <laughs> that everything's flat and it all just looks the same, there's nothing to see, but, but having grown up here, there is so much beauty around us, and every season has its own beauty. I find myself in the spring and in the early summer driving down the roads and noticing the wildflowers growing in the ditches on the sides of the road. You've seen those, right? You've seen the wildflowers growing there. You've got those blue flowers. That I think they're chicory from what I've been told, which you can use as coffee, by the way, Kim. Uh, they're chicory flowers, those blue ones. And then there's the, the purple clovers you know, on the side of the road. There's the yellow flowers, the little ones with the little black centers in the middle. And then you've got the, uh, you've got the, the Queen Anne's Lace, which I always was told was wild carrot. And then there's the grass itself. It just looks absolutely beautiful as it grows there. And every year as you drive through Illinois, you're blessed by those flowers growing there in the ditches. Which led me to think, there have been times I've been in those ditches. I didn't see the beauty of the ditches when I was down there. I found myself in those ditches by the side of the road, whether I'm down there because of my own carelessness or because of adverse conditions. I remember once just making it through Warrington Curve on a very icy day and finding myself in a ditch. And Tom Goddard came along and pushed me out. You'd do that if, I, if it happens again, right, Tom? You know, he's there to push me out. To be honest, it was actually a field. It was a field that Tom pushed me out of that day. And I remember another time our family was heading up north of Oakland and a 93-year-old farmer decided it was time to take his trash out using his end loader. And he pulled out in front of us, clipped the driver's side mirror, and sent my entire family into the safety of the ditch. We still didn't appreciate the safety of it. And there's been a few times I've been in the ditch because I've broken down there, and I found myself in that low spot, and I realize I'm stuck here. I'm not going anywhere. Those are the ditches I think we feel most pronounced when we're stuck when we're broken down, when you're stuck and you can't move ahead, you can't find a way out, and you realize I'm not talking about a literal ditch at this point, right? I've never thought in the middle of one of those situations, I can't wait till I'm in another ditch. I've never thought about life and thought, well, I can't wait till I hit one of those low spots again, whether I'm talking about an actual ditch or a metaphorical ditch. And yet I know, I know that the wildflowers grow there in the ditches. Why? Well, because it's wet, because it's fertile, because the wind whips the seeds down the ditches as the drivers go by, because the state of Illinois plants quite a few of them. And as difficult as those places are, the conditions are fertile. The conditions are right for growth and even right for beauty. Psalm 13, page 453 in those blue Bibles. Psalm 13 is a psalm from the ditch. <clears throat> it's a psalm from a place of deep despair. And we've encountered psalms like that before in the 12 short weeks that we've, in the past 12 weeks as we've gone through the psalms. But, and there are a lot more psalms of despair all the way through the book. But in Psalm 13, David refuses to stay in that ditch. And he cries out to God. And in sharing this song, Psalm 13, he calls us when we find ourselves in that ditch, when we find ourselves in that place of despair, he calls us to cry out to God, to find that God hears us and that 
that His grace has always been with us, even in that low place. Psalm 13, to the choir master, a psalm of David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemies be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him. Lest my foe rejoices, because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. It is a short psalm. Only six verses, three stanzas. But it takes us on a long journey. In fact, if you were to live this psalm out, it might take you a season or two to make the trip that this psalm takes you on. It begins with a very honest admission. The honest admission that there are moments of life when we find ourselves feeling abandoned. Psalm 13 begins with a question. In fact, it begins with five questions and none of them are new to you. You've heard these before. How long, O Lord? That sounds familiar. Yeah, we've heard that before. We could go back just a couple, just a few weeks ago to Psalm 6. And it's there in Psalm 6, verse 3, where David says, my soul is greatly troubled. And then he just says, how long? How long is this going to take? Back then, David is feeling this pain how long is this going to take, Lord? How long am I going to feel like this? How long will I feel abandoned by You? And there's times when we pray and we pray and we look for some answer. We look for some solution. We're, we're praying and praying, God, fix this. And the answer doesn't come. The healing doesn't come. We stay in that funk for a very long time and we start to wonder, is God even listening to me? Or has God abandoned us? If we're not careful, our faith can become only a matter of our experience. Let me say that again. If you're not careful, your faith can become just a matter of your experience. In other words, if things are going well, if, if the day is sunny, if the weather is perfect, if everything's going well, all of your plans have come to fruition, or all your plans are, are working out, then God has blessed you. <clears throat> If your prayers get answered the way you want your prayers answered, then suddenly we're saying, ha ha, prayer works. It really works. But what happens in those seasons of dryness? What happens down in those ditches when you're swamped with, with problems? Is God any less there in those times? Does prayer suddenly not work? What does faith look like when we're stuck in one of those ditches? Verses 1 and 2 have five questions. I promise you, you have asked them, you have thought about them, you have worried about these questions. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? In other words, where is God? Why does he feel so far away from me? Why am I sad? If God loves me and I am blessed, why do I feel like this? And then the final question, how long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Why don't other people feel like this? Why don't those people who I know are not living their lives right, why do they seem to be doing so well? 
Is it just me? What's wrong with me? At the heart of David's question, at the heart of your questions, is that fear that God has forgotten us, that God might have abandoned us. I was sitting in a literal ditch one night, thanks to a poorly maneuvered three-point turnaround. And I must stress, I was not the driver. But I was sitting there in that ditch with the driver after we had tried to get his truck out, and we had revved, and we had tried and tried, but it wasn't going to get out. And we sat there, and we thought, surely someone's going to notice that we're not where we're supposed to be. Surely one of our friends who was traveling along this same road is going to realize that we didn't end up with them, and they're going to come back for us, aren't they? We've not been abandoned in this ditch, have we? How long are we here? And of course, that was a time and a place where cell phones didn't work all that well. But thankfully, that night, as we tried to get the truck out, our headlights just kept bouncing and bouncing into this gentleman's living room window that night. And, and pretty soon he came out dressed in boxer shorts and a tank top. And he very kindly said, do you guys need some help? I don't think he quite said it that way, but he was inquiring as to what we were doing in the ditch next to his house. And after some diplomatic negotiation, he gladly loaned us his cordless telephone and we called our friend and our friend brought a toe strap and we got out of that ditch. But I think we might still be there right now if we hadn't called, if we hadn't cried out, if we hadn't admitted from that low place, I can't get out of this myself. We're going to need a little help. However deep that ditch of despair feels, please know this. Please be assured of this. God sees you there. And He hears the cry of your heart. The psalm starts out with that question, Where are you, God? Have you, have you forgotten me? Have you, have you just decided to abandon me? And you can stay there in that place until you've convinced yourself God doesn't care. Or you've convinced yourself, well, he's not real anyway. It's, it's all just my imagination. But, but David shows us that even in that dark place where you feel stuck and alone, you can cry out from there and God hears you. There in the middle of the psalm, verses 3 and 4, David cries out, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I've prevailed over him. Lest my foe rejoices, because I am shaken. You feel that last plea, don't you? I am shaken. My faith has been shaken. Again, I like what Eugene Peterson does with this in his paraphrase called The Message. In these two verses, he paraphrases them and writes, Take a good look at me, God. I want to look life in the eye so no enemy can get the best of me or laugh when I fall on my face. I love the honesty of that. When I fall on my face. Not if. <laughs> it's the truth. It's going to happen sooner or later. I'm going to fall on my face. I love that honesty. We fall on our faces sometimes, don't we? But the psalm reminds us that failure is not final. That's not the final chapter of your story. These verses are a prayer. In fact, there's three prayers in these two verses. Please from the heart. First of all, look at me. Look at me, God. See me. See my hurt. Answer me. Don't leave me here hurting. And then the third plea is shine the light on my pain. Shine your light on my pain. Light up my eyes. If you're reading the NIV, the NIV says, give light to my eyes. And it confronts the reality that down there in that ditch 
we don't have the best perspective on ourselves. We can't always be honest about who we are and what's going on in our lives. I can't trust my estimation of who I am in that ditch or even on my good days. And I can't always be sure of the judgment of other people. But he asks God, shine your light on me. Show me who I am and you rescue me from this place. Well, you can find that plea all the way through your Bible. You can find that plea seeking God to rescue over and over again. It's there in Matthew chapter 14 when Peter sees Jesus walking to him on the water and Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, you call out, let me come out there. And Jesus says, come on out. And Peter steps out and he's doing it. He's walking on the water. But the Bible says that the wind and the waves began to overwhelm him. He took his eyes off Jesus. He saw the trouble around him and he began to sink. And there in Matthew 14, verse 30, Peter cries out, Save me, Lord! It's there again in Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas are in that jail in Philippi. It's midnight. They start singing songs of praise and suddenly there's an earthquake. The bars all, the, the, the jail cells open up. The doors are open. All the prisoners could, could run away. They've been set free. The jailer, the Philippian jailer runs in very aware that if anyone escapes, it's his head. He's done. And in verse 30, he asks Paul and Silas, what must I do to be saved. Don't hear that about just about going to heaven. It's not just about going to heaven. It is saying there is a very real danger here and I will not survive. What's the answer? And most of you have made that same kind of a plea at one point or another in your life. A couple weeks ago, we heard Maddie make that plea. And maybe some of you like her Maybe some of you like her reached a point in your life where you were so moved by Jesus' love, so sure of His love for you that you couldn't help but reach out to Him and say, save me. Maybe some of you, when it happened, you were in that deep ditch of despair and you were saying, I am sinking in this despair and I can't get out of here myself. And something clicked. And you thought, what if everything that they've ever told me about Jesus is true? What if they've, everything they've ever told me about Jesus is real? And so you cried out in that moment, save me. And in that moment, He heard you. It doesn't take long in life for you to reach one of those places of despair. But in that ditch, there is a choice. You can allow yourself to be overwhelmed by the pain that you're in, but you also have the choice to seek God even when you're hurting. And Psalm 13 tells us, Trust God from the ditch. And even there, you'll find His grace. It's a short psalm. Only six verses, three stanzas. But it's a long trip, by the way. It takes you a long time to get through this psalm. It could take you years to live out this psalm. In fact, you might make the trip multiple times. You might just find yourself backsliding into that ditch over and over again, struggling with depression or addiction or moving from one bad relationship to another. The end of the psalm is not just about God's faithfulness, though, because God's faithfulness is always there. The end of the psalm is about David's choice. And it could be your choice also. The choice to trust God even from the ditch. Verse 5, But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. David chooses to trust. 
we choose to trust. And what do we find? Verse 5, he, he finds that he's trusted in his steadfast love. We've seen that before as we've made our way through the Psalms. We've seen that steadfast love of God. The Hebrew word is chesed. It is undefinable in English. It is his steadfast love. It is his everlasting love. Paul, Psalms, Psalm 5, David says that he is, he is confronted by the abundance of God's steadfast love. It is that overwhelming, never-ending, some people say reckless love of God where He never leaves us, He never forsakes us. Psalm 5, David is overwhelmed by that love, but by Psalm 6, David says, I don't feel it anymore. I don't feel it. And here he says, even though I don't feel it, I trust in your love. I trust that it's there, even though I don't feel it. I can trust it. I can know God's love is with me. Even in this ditch, I'll know He's here and like David, we cry out, my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. It's Peter crying out, save me! And reaching out for Jesus' hand. And Jesus responding, Peter, I was here all along. Where is your faith? It's the Philippian jailer saying, what must I do? And Paul telling him, believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. You and your household. And later that night, his entire household was baptized. And whether it's Maddie just a couple weeks ago, or whether it's me 39 years ago here, or maybe whether it's you here, maybe even today, He hears and He answers. And you can rejoice in His salvation. Verse 6, I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. I will sing not because everything is now fine. Not because everything is fixed but I will choose to sing. I will sing to the Lord because He has dealt bountifully with me. I love that. Bountifully. That's how He saved you. He didn't save you just with a little grace. He didn't save you with just enough grace. He didn't say, here's all the grace I'm giving you. Don't mess up again. There's not enough to go around. He saved you bountifully. It's what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter 1, verses 7 and 8, where he says that we have been saved according to the riches of His grace which He lavished on us. His grace for your life is bountiful. He has smothered your sin in His grace. And some days you may not see it. Some days you may not feel it. <clears throat> but you can trust it. Even from the ditch. One of the reasons why I believe it is so important, one of the reasons I believe it is so important for you to be here for worship is that there is someone here today who is stuck in one of those ditches. There is someone here today who is stuck in a ditch and they can't see the beauty from that ditch. They can't see the possibility for growth, the possibility for new life. They can't see the possibility of someday getting unstuck. And maybe you... <clears throat> Maybe you have been through that ditch and you've found your way out. Your presence here gives somebody else a reason to trust God from that ditch. Someone else, your presence here gives someone else a reason to trust God's presence in their lives, even in those dark places. When we come together, when we stand shoulder to shoulder as a community of faith, when we worship together, when you can hear the praises of other people around you when your heart's not feeling it, 
when God seems so silent in your heart? And maybe you're not ready. Maybe you're not ready to cry out to him yet. You're not ready to admit just how stuck you are or how stuck you've gotten yourself. You can look around the room and you can find those who have been through that ditch and those who have found the beauty and the new life on the other side, the beauty that's waiting for you. And you can find people who are ready to love you from those low places and pull you up and pull you through. That's why we take communion every Sunday. That's why we come again and again to the table. That's why we remind ourselves again and again of what Jesus endured for us. Reminded of Paul telling us of all that He emptied Himself as He came down to give Himself to us. As He met us here in our ditch. And not only saved us, but lifted us up. And through His grace, He has shown us great beauty. Beauty that we couldn't imagine our own. We're going to pray. We're going to sing. And we'll take together. Let's pray. Father, thank You for Your love. Your unfailing love. Your steadfast love. Your loving kindness. Lord, there's, there is no one way we can define it. But we can know it. We can trust it. And we confess that there are moments when it, it just seems like it's gone. There's times in our lives when we've sunk so low that we're not sure Your love is there. I thank You for a church family that doesn't leave us in ditches, but who stands shoulder to shoulder with us, who loves us through those difficult times. And I thank You that there are people here who show us how to trust in Your unfailing love, even when we can't feel it, when we can't find it for ourselves. That's why we come week after week to this table. That's why we share this bread. We share this cup. That's why we share the sorrows and share our joys. Lord, we ask Your blessing today, not just over these elements, these emblems of who You are. We ask Your blessing over this fellowship. And Lord, if there's one today who is desperately feeling the depth of that ditch, I pray that through the fellowship they find here, through the love and support they find here, they'll know the truth of Your love. And they'll know the beauty that awaits them. The beauty that surrounds them now. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.